Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. We've been talking about this covenant that we have uh, with God through the finished work of Jesus. Uh, Pastor Gill has said this every single week of the series thus far, and it's this, that while many believers, while many people are aware of God's promises, uh, they can come into a church service like this and uh, hear a worship leader like Spencer talk about all the promises of God or yes and amen, and it sounds good and we can agree, we can say yeah, but, but although many believers are aware of God's promises, that many believers are strangers or are unaware that all of God's promises have been sealed in a covenant. We, we won't read this this morning for time's sake, but Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 through 19, the Bible says, because God so desired you and I to have strong confidence. You ever been, been insecure about something? You ever been shaky before, unsure if something was really going to happen? The Bible says because God did not want us to live that way. Because God wanted us to have strong confidence that not only did he promise, which by the way would have been good enough, Numbers 23, 9 I believe, says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. But if God said it, God guarantees that he will bring it to pass. And, and, and although a promise would have been good enough because God so desired for us, for us to have strong confidence that he sealed his promise, he sealed his word with a contract. He sealed his word in a covenant. And that covenant, that contract is in the finished work of Jesus, that all of God's promises, they're not just yes and amen, but they are sealed, guaranteed in a covenant with God. And we've been in the series talking about how important it is that we as believers, that we become more convinced, more aware, more knowledgeable, if you will, about the covenant that we have with our God. I don't think that anybody would disagree, but we are living in crazy times. Maybe they're not the most crazy that there ever has been or ever will be, but we are living in uncertain times to, to say the least. And if we're reading our Bibles accurately, things will get, well, they probably won't get better. They, they, they probably will grow worse. The Bible says that in the last days, days will grow darker. And it's a big deal that you and I as believers, that we find our confidence, not in this world, not, not in, in, in a man-made system, but we find our confidence in the covenant we have with God that God will never leave us and God will never forsake us. Pastor Gil started last week talking about this covenant and how this covenant is a blood covenant. And Pastor Gil started this thought last week, the anatomy of the covenant, and he talked about this blood covenant that we have in Jesus. And today, as we continue, I want to talk about today the anatomy of the covenant, part two, if you will, or, or you can say this way, the four commitments, four commitments that we have in this covenant with God, in this blood covenant. I ask you to open up your Bible and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and that's where, where we're going to start this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I'll read it from the screen because for some reason I have marked in my Bible 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, which is not the text. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. That was supposed to be kind of like a ha-ha funny and nobody laughed. That was awesome. All right. Hebrews 13, 5, uh, reading of the New King James Version, it says this. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. 
For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I want to read that one more time. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. The author is writing and says, let your conduct, let your life be without covetousness, but be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may have bold confidence. We may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Have you ever read a, a scripture before? And whether you, you did it externally and people noticed, uh, have you ever read a scripture before and internally rolled your eyes a little bit? Come on, am I, am I the only one? We got all the perfect saints in the room this morning. I know I've read a multitude of scriptures and while it makes sense intellectually and while I understand the words I am reading in my heart, I go, okay, that's actually not help, help, helpful at all. Like, have you ever had a, a really good Christian friend or a pastor or a leader or someone try to encourage you and their encouragement just frustrated you? This, this ever happened to you? Like you're in the middle of a circumstance or a situation uh, that is less than ideal, that you're, you're really going through it, you're up against a challenge, uh, things are not going well, and you have a good, you know, good meeting friend go, hey man, I just want to encourage you. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you're like, thank you, but now I just want to physically harm you. Like that, that's, not, that's not tangible. Or, or, or you get someone's like, hey, man, I know things are tough right now. But hey, I just feel like we should put a smile on our face because James chapter one, verse two through four says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. And if patience has its perfect work, you'll be found complete, lacking nothing. I just think we should turn that frown upside down. We should throw a little party and just be praising God. That you're, it's like, that's not actually not helpful at all right now. I mean, I'm a pastor and I have, have done my fair share of encouraging that, that I'm, I'm encouraging someone with a text, with a scripture, with a thought, and on the inside, I'm rolling my eyes, going, ah, this, I, I sure hope this is helpful. Like, I really hope this is adding encouragement because I don't know, if I'm in their shoes, I don't even know if I want to hear this right now. Why? Because it's not, it's not tangible. Because it's not something that, that really feels like it's helping us in that present moment. I think Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 kind of fits in that category. Hebrews, if you don't know, is a book that is written to Jewish believers uh, who have put their full faith, their full trust and confidence in Jesus. And because of it, we're facing severe persecution. Things are not going good. Things are getting worse. Because of their faith and belief in Jesus, they're losing jobs, they're, they're losing businesses, they're losing relationships, families, some are even being arrested, some are even being martyred. Because of their decision to follow Jesus, things didn't get better, things got worse. And the book of Hebrews is written in, in, in this context, asking or, 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 or encouraging these believers to not turn back 
to, to not forsake the confidence they've put in Jesus because of what they're facing, but to, but to continue pressing on. And the way that Hebrews does this is Hebrews is a book that is written about how much, uh, how much superior Jesus is to the, to the old thing. That this old system, this old way of, of relating to God through the law and through, through uh, the, the commandments, that this old system is, is so much uh, less than or it's inferior to the superior work of Jesus. And so Hebrews has written about how Jesus is so much better. That the person, the finished work, the ministry, the covenant we have with Jesus is so much better. And Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 in this context says this, let your life... Let your conduct be without covetousness. Now, when I initially passed through this verse and I, I looked at this scripture, I, I kind of thought that word just meant jealousy. Like, don't be jealous because they're in Maui and you're at home. Don't be jealous because they got the promotion and you didn't. Don't be jealous because fill, fill in the blank, but actually that's not what it means. This word covetousness, it, it, it depicts someone who's possessed by an eager and an excessive desire for more. It's not jealousy. It's this thing in us that always wants and always thinks that we need, we need more. Now, I, I think that that word more can be contextualized to, to whoever you are and wherever you are, because how many of you know your more is probably different than my more? But all of us, we have this thing on the inside of us that we are prone to, and that is this, well, this eager and excessive desire for, for more. Proverbs 27, 20 says it this way, that just like hell and destruction are never satisfied, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Did you know that your eyes and my eyes, they do not know enough? that it does not matter how much you get, how much you have, whether we're talking zeros in the bank account, we're talking the, the job you always wanted, achievement, whatever it may be, whatever your more is, that the Bible says just like hell and destruction are never satisfied. The eyes of man are never satisfied. Why is it that, that we're prone to this? Well, we're prone to this because something in our humanity it finds safety and security in what we possess. Here, here, here's the feeling, here's the sentiment. If I only had, then I would be fill in the blank. If I could just get this, if I could just get to this level, if I could just, whatever it might be, then I would be fill in the blank. This is why you've heard old preachers say things like, sometimes your possessions actually possess you that what you possess actually has hold of you because this thing in us that says, if I only had more, then I would be, well, then I'd be safe and secure. I'm telling you, man, if I just had, if I just had enough money, I'm working and I'm saving and like, I know I got a good job right now, but I'm, I'm trying to get to this level because you never know. And I just feel like if we could get to this point, have this, this kind of a nest egg, then I could really be, be okay on the inside because we would have enough to really know that we'll, we'll be okay. You know, if I could just get to this level in my career, I feel like I'd be able to be content on the inside because I'd feel, I'd feel validated like, okay, I, I am something. I have achieved something. And Hebrews 13 says, again, speaking to, to these Jewish believers who 
who are tempted to turn back to the old way of relating to God through the old covenant, who literally are, are losing jobs, who literally are losing relationships and loved ones. He says, don't let your conduct, don't let your life be dictated and decided by this thing in you that thinks if I only had, then I would be. He says, no, be content with such things as which you have. Have you ever been to a restaurant before and, and you were so hungry, they got your order wrong, but you didn't care? This has ever happened to you before? The wait was way too long. You finally got to the table. The service was not okay. It was subpar. And, and you're so hungry at this point that even though they got your cheeseburger wrong, I'm, it's fine, it's fine. I'm just, when I first read this verse, I kind of thought that's what content meant. Hey, like just, just be okay with what you have. Just be fine where you are. Hey, it is what it is everyone's dealt a different lot in life, just settle in where you are and just learn to be happy with what you have. But actually, it's not what the word means. This word in the original language, what it actually means, it means to be possessed or consumed with a, a strength and a confidence that, that, that is enduring. To have a strength and a confidence in you that is steadfast and enduring. What is the author of Hebrews saying? He, he's saying, don't, don't feel like if I only had, then I would be. He said, no, instead, be possessed or consumed with an unfailing strength and confidence that what I have, where I am, who I am, right here presently is enough. That's, no, that, that, that's, that's where you're losing me, Brandon. Because like, I'm trying to get to that place. Like, that's why I'm working so hard. That, that is why I'm putting in the hours. That is why I'm stressed. That's why I'm trying to figure things out. Because I'm trying to get to the place that what I have and where I am and who I am is enough for me to be confident and secure. But I can't do that until I, he, he, Hebrews says, no, you're missing the point. Your eyes never say enough. This eager, excessive desire in you, it will never say enough. And therefore, we must find our strength and our confidence in something other than what we have, where we currently are, or maybe even in who we, we, we are. This is where Hebrews 13.5, in my opinion, gets to that kind of annoying, I want to roll my eyes at the verse part, because Hebrews 13.5 says, the reason that we can have this great confidence Hebrews 13, 5, it says this, because or for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the part where I want to roll my eyes. Hey man, don't just, don't, don't let your life be, be, be ruled by this thing. Just be content. How though? Because Jesus, he's with you. That makes for a great picture over the toilet in our guest bathroom. But that's not helping me right now. And I'll tell you why it's not helping me. It's not helping me because like Pastor Gil has been preaching, I'm aware of promises. I'm just a stranger to the covenant nature of promises. But Pastor Gil said something in the first week, and it's not that I didn't agree or that I don't trust him. I just didn't really like give it very much weight. I was saying this first service and I had a kind elderly gentleman afterwards put his arm around me and say, son, 
This is why you always listen to your, your mom and dad. Thank you for that. Pastor Gil said this. He, he, he said, when, when you become more aware of, of the covenant that we have, all of a sudden it starts popping out everywhere in the Bible. He said it. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that, that makes sense. But, but I didn't really realize it until actually preparing for this sermon and reading Hebrews 13.5, not even thinking that it had relevance to today's topic. And then all of a sudden it hit me, that little phrase, don't let your conduct be, be consumed by this eager, excessive desire for more. Be content, be consumed with a steadfast strength and confidence. How? For he himself has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Have you ever found strength and confidence in, in who you were with? You ever found strength and confidence not, not because of you, but because of the person you're with? I remember a couple, a couple of years ago, uh, my dad, Pastor Gil, he was preaching at a, a church conference in the Boston area. And I, I went with him just to be able to hang out. We have some friends in the area and I wanted to hang out, see some friends. And um, I was not on the registration list. Have you ever, by the way, um, wanted to, to take time to explain to people in the customer service industry how indeed customer service is supposed to work? Does this ever happen to you? And so we're at this church conference and, and my dad, I don't know what he was doing, but he was somewhere with, with someone and I was, I was going to get in and I get stopped at this table and this lady, we'll just call her Becky. She goes, excuse me. Um, I, I need to see your registration. Oh, I'm, I'm actually not on the registration. You can't come in. Can't come in. No, actually, actually Becky, I'm going to come in today. Um, see, I know I'm not on the registration list, uh, but my dad, he's speaking this morning's session. We're only here for like two hours. I'm going to come to the session and then we're, we're going to be gone. Nope. Name's not on the list. You're not getting in. That's where you're wrong, Becky. Uh, I'm definitely going to be coming in today and I appreciate what you are doing, but my dad, he's preaching this morning and finally she let me in. She said the funniest thing, it'll, it'll never leave me. Finally, she let me in and I'm like, God, would, I, would, would our church never have guest experience like this? Finally, finally, she let me in. She goes, well, fine, you can come in. Just don't touch anything. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, am I allowed to sit down? If we take communion, can, can I partake? Like, what? What do you mean don't, but, but I was careful to not touch anything. But, but I had so much confidence because I'm, I'm with him. I, I know I'm not on the registration list. I know I haven't paid the money. I know that I'm not here in, in my merit. I'm, I'm just with him. The, the author of Hebrews says this unfailing strength and confidence we have, it's, well, it's found in the covenant we have with him. I, I told you today we're talking about four, four commitments, and I want to give you the, the first two real quick. Commitments number one and two are simply this, that, that your needs are now my needs and my resources are now your resources. The, the first commitment that we have in blood covenant is that your needs are now my needs and my resources, they're now, they're now your resources. The second one you'll find is this, that, that your enemies are now my enemies and your battles are now my battles. The, the, these, two, these first two commitments were made in these exchanges. In a blood covenant, there were these two exchanges. And um, by the way, I didn't mention this, um, nor did I even bring it on stage with me. I apologize. We have a study guide that goes along with this sermon series. If you haven't picked one up, I'd encourage you to grab one uh, because all of this is in the study guide in uh, more detail for your, you guessed it, study of the material. But there, there's two exchanges. And the first one was this. It was an exchange of, of coats. 
These were not just like, you know, the new North Face Patagonia coats for the winter. These were ceremonial coats that represented the identity of a person. The first exchange that happened is they would exchange coats symbolically representing that from this point forward, your identity is my identity, my identity is your identity. The, the, the exchanging of coats was legally a transfer of identity and wealth and power. It was a transfer of all you are and all you have to, uh, to another. And then, then they would exchange, second exchange, they would exchange weapons belts. I don't know what all was on the weapons belt. It probably varied per, per person, but they, they would exchange weapons belts signifying these weapons they will never be used against you. These weapons will now only ever be used in your defense. In other words, you got an enemy, I got an enemy. You, you have someone trying, trying, trying to mess with you, they're messing with me. You have someone that says it, tells a your mama joke and they cross the line, I'm there in five seconds flat. Why? Because, well, because now we're in covenant together. Pastor Go talked about last week in this blood covenant, how they would, they would sacrifice and split an animal in two and that the two would be standing in the middle in, in a blood trail. And, and, and the picture they were painting as they're standing in blood, wearing one another's coats and armor was that we're, we're, now, covenanted, we're now covenanted together. Hey, hey I, I just, this, this, is, this is what we're painting right here, this picture that whatever you have need of, it's what I have need of. Your need, your lack, it's now my need and my lack. I take it personal. All that I have, my resources, they're now, well, they're now your resources. You, you have an enemy, you have an obstacle, you have a challenge, that's my obstacle. That's my challenge. And there was this exchanging of, of ceremonial coats and weapons belts signifying we are now one together. Can I tell you, that's exactly what Jesus has done in his finished work for us. We, for, for time's sake, we won't read all these scriptures, but we think about scriptures like John 1, 14, where the Bible says that the word, the word being that prophetic promise through, through, throughout history, that the word became flesh, that Jesus literally took on skin and bone. He put on the coat of humanity, if you will. Philippians 2 says that he, he came in the likeness of, of man. He humbled himself to the point of death and he took all of our humanity on, on himself. He, he wore the coat of humanity, if you will. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin, he put on the coat of sin. He who knew no sin became sin. All of my sin, all of my shame, all of my guilt, he took it upon himself in this great exchange. Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 10, 2 Corinthians uh, 2, 3 through 5, Matthew 10, 1, all different scriptures that you can, you can look and you, you can investigate. The Bible tells us that we've now been given the authority that Jesus had. That, that he's in a covenant with, with us, that all of his resource, whatever we have need of, are fully accessible at our disposal. That all of heaven's armies are now backing us, no matter what we face. The third thing that would happen in this, this blood covenant is standing in one another's coat, armor, they would walk a figure eight in, in this blood trail, representing infinity. 
that this is, this is forever. This is not a, a, a one-time thing. This is for a, from, from now on, we are in covenant together. Number three, you can write this down, that it's the commitment that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. This is forever. And then what they would do is they would, they would cut their flesh and they put, put, an, put an object of some sort in that wound to ensure that it's scarred over in, in such a way as if that scar would be visible and would be evident. What, 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 what was that? It was, it was this commitment. Number four, you can write this down, this commitment that, that I will always wear the mark of this covenant as a continual reminder. I will always bear this scar and bear these marks as a continual reminder of this covenant that we have, that we've made. Again, God, he has not only given us promises. God's not only given us these precious promises, but Jesus himself. That's the part of Hebrews 13, 5 that, that really, really got me as I was studying. Hebrews 13, 5, it says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as which you have for he himself. That's the part that I, I, I couldn't get over this week. That little phrase that he himself, that he himself, that, that this is personal to Jesus. It's personal. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. Bible says that Jesus, he so loved you and I, that despising the shame. What does that mean, despising the shame? That means although this was agonizing, it, to be God and forever lower yourself to take on skin and bone, to, to fully wear the coat of humanity and be tempted and tested in every way as, as we've been tempted and tested, to then be, be paraded by your own creation, naked, in the streets, publicly humiliated, bearing a cross, to, to be whipped and beaten and bruised to the point that skin is no longer left on your body and you are not recognizable, to be hung on a cross where you would suffocate in your own blood for hours until you said those words, it is finished, to, 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 to endure the, the public mocking and shame. Oh, they, they, they did not know what they were doing, but, but mockingly, what, what did they write above, above the cross? King of the Jews, hey, everyone, look at this idiot. He thinks he's the king of the Jews. Hey, have you heard about this guy? He thinks he's actually God, King, King of the Jews. And, and he hung, despising the shame, despising the shame. But he endured, why? Because of love. Because Jesus, this is personal to Jesus. The author of Hebrews, we do not know who, who he is, but he, he pleads with his audience, don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. I know what you're facing. I know what you're going through. It has you tempted. 
to return. It has you tempted to compromise. It has you tempted to start looking around. Okay, what, what, what source can I find? What resource can, but, but don't you go back. Why? How can you possibly say? I mean, again, think about the context. Hey, um, again, it's that annoying, it's that annoying scripture. Hey, I know that currently you're being persecuted and uh, you lost the family business and uh, your friends and relatives have been arrested and martyred. Um, but hey, just be content with what you have where you are. Why? Because, see, but this was real to them. Because he himself has promised, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I didn't think about this till we were filming this sermon earlier in the week for online church. And um, literally, I'm, I'm in the middle of doing this online. And, and I looked down. I was secretly looking down to see what time it was. Like, how long have I been talking for? And I just noticed this scar on my wrist. I never really think about the scar. I never really noticed this scar. It's not huge, but it, it pr- protrudes enough that it's noticeable. And in an instant... All of a sudden, all these memories came back of how I got this scar. My, my aunt and uncle, uh, Dan and Janie Tillery, who Uncle Dan sit, sit in the back, uh, they had what my younger sisters referred to as a nice and koozie. The, the, the jacuzzi, in case you didn't know. Uh, my sisters called it a nice and koozie. And we were, we were hanging out in the nice and koozie. And um, I don't know a lot, but I do know some things. And one thing that I do know is you do not use the restroom in a hot tub. We can debate about a pool, but if you do it in a hot tub, you need prayer and deliverance, okay? It's, that's, that's a no. So I went to the restroom, and I came running back, and I ran right through their sliding glass door. And, and I'll never forget laying in this pile of glass, faces all cut up, and I didn't really realize how incredibly dangerous that is until I got a little bit older. But I remember walking to the bathroom and having this, this shard of glass stuck in my wrist right there. I never, I never really think about it. But, but on Thursday, filming this, I looked down, and all of a sudden, whew, all these, all these memories came back. Are you sure? How can we be confident that Jesus isn't going to forget? How can we be confident in all of life's problems and that He's that He's presently concerned and He's presently mindful of me because He bears the scars? of this covenant because he said to Thomas here look put, put, put your hands put your hands in my square that today while we sit in here Sunday in September 12.07 p.m. that Jesus is currently seated at the right hand of the Father bearing the scars of this covenant how can I have strong confidence how can I be overwhelmed with strength with where and where I am and what I have and who I am just doesn't feel like enough. I just feel, I feel inadequate. I don't feel like what I have and where I am is sufficient because he himself bears the scars of the covenant he made that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. Verse 6, I love it. It concludes, it says, and it's for this reason that with strong confidence, that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. God is my helper. That God himself is literally present. He is my helper in time of need. Therefore, I will not fear what can man 
do to me. So I conclude with this. I conclude with this. The, the, the online sermon, I got done preaching and I'm like, I don't know. I think it was, I think it made sense. Then I got done first service. I think, I think it was good. But, but I haven't really been super happy with, with, with the end of this message. Because I, I don't know if you're, you're like me, but my personality, I always want to know, yeah, that, that's great, that, good, good thoughts. But how do I do that? That's what I want to know. Hey, great thought, great inspiration, totally cool. But how do I, and so I haven't been really, really satisfied because I thought, I don't, I don't feel like we're ending this sermon with a really good, like, handle on, but how do I become confident? And we were, we, we were sitting here singing this song, not we, I was sitting there. We were singing this song that, that we're building our life on Jesus. We, we sang this chorus, show me who you are. All, all, all of a sudden it dawned on me that the, the conclusion, how we find great confidence is that we get in our heart a desperation for Jesus, I need you to show me. It's funny, co- confidence is an internal thing, isn't it? Like if, if you're afraid, of something, I, I just can't say, just don't be afraid. That's an internal thing. Last night, my wife, she is nine months pregnant. I promise you, she had a greater vertical than Michael Jordan in his prime. She jumped so high. Like, whoa. She's like, there's a spider there. Like, it's it's a spider. But how many of you know, I cannot superimpose that internally into her. Just don't, don't be afraid. Easy to say, I am afraid of a spider. We cannot superimpose. So, so just here, here's the conclusion, everyone. Have a great Sunday. Just be content. Hey, just, all right, here, we're going to leave today. God bless. Have a great Sunday. Just don't forget. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't have an eager, excessive desire. Just be content knowing that he's with you. That's not something we can informationally superimpose. It's something only God can do. Can, can, I, can I read you one more scripture? I remembered now why my Bible was marked to 1 Corinthians. This will not be on the screen, but 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. The spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one can know the things of God except by the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know that we may have strong confidence in the things freely given to us by God. My friends, it is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to reveal unto you and I, to reveal unto you and I the reality of this covenant we have with God. It is not something that we can informationally work. This confidence that we read about in Hebrews, this ability to be consumed and overwhelmed with a a strength and confidence no matter what I'm facing because I am so presently aware and convinced that Jesus is literally right next to me. 
He promised he would never leave me or forsake me. He said, I can boldly say, it's something that only happens on the inside. And so here's how I, I would like for us to end today. I, I want for us to hear in just a moment, I'm gonna pray. I want for us to, to one more time stand to our feet. And, and I want for us to sing this song. Maybe not the whole song, but just, just the chorus of the song and maybe the bridge and Spencer will dismiss us here in a moment. But, but can I ask you this? Would, would we take just another two, three minutes and would we posture our heart to say, God, I need you to show me who Jesus is. Holy Spirit, I need you to reveal to me the certainty of this covenant. Holy Spirit, I, I need you to convince me on the inside. I'm telling you, there is nothing that I am convinced of. There's nothing that I know to be true beyond a shadow of a doubt that has come simply because I got information. It only comes when the Holy Spirit gives you revelation. And I want to pray today that as we leave here, part, part three, week three in this series, that, that from, from today and, and as we continue, that little by little, the Holy Spirit would continue to give us revelation of this covenant that we have, that, that Jesus, by his blood, signed and sealed a promise. Your needs are my needs. My resources, son, are now your resources. Whatever you have need of, I'm here. You, your enemies are my enemies. You, you, you struggle. Hey, whatever you're facing today, I'm right here. That I'm, I'm in this thing till the end. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Hey, do, you do not worry. Even when you are faithless, I remain faithful. For I bear the scars of this covenant continually reminding me of you and what I've sworn in my blood. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.